This is the second time we've uh, had this time together today. And uh, I was told the first hour they had some glitches with the, uh, with the uh, streaming. Uh, Craig, I can't see you back there. Okay, you there? We're getting close. I know, I know. But I want you to know that my friend in Pennsylvania that watched it said uh, he got the whole thing. He said but he had a bear to get on. So guess what? You'll understand it later. He's sending me a brand new staff. It's an inside joke, and you'll know the inside of it when we get in it together. Today, I'm bringing the message to you from uh, the Old Testament. You know, a lot of times we forget that one of the most exciting things is to see what God has been doing and how He's been working out the obstacles ahead of us. You have any obstacles this week, year, this week, this summer? How about this year, all year? COVID has changed a lot of what we do. It's affected your pocketbook. It's affected the places you shop. It's affected them. They can't get enough people working. They can't uh, find enough people to deliver goods, in fact. We were in a restaurant yesterday. He said, uh, said, it's never happened before, but we actually had to go pick up the groceries we were going to use to cook. You forget about that, don't you? Yes. You, you see the, when things raise. These are obstacles. They, they give us difficulty. What if you had been in a different country? Now, someone told me this morning they'd moved up here from California. That's a little different country. But what if you were across the border? I'm not really talking Honduras or Mexico, but even longer cultural difference. That's where the Israelites were. They had gone into Egypt. In their time there, people forgot who Joseph was. And they took them into basically slavery. And they wanted to get out. So they prayed. God knew they had a problem. They talked to God about their, their issue. They wanted to get out. And God heard their prayers. And he contacted Moses got a job for you. And this whole message today is about the obstacles that Moses, no, not all of them, a few that he encountered. Because Moses had difficulty. You know, Moses was a human being. You ever forget that? Sometimes we almost forget that those in the Bible, they weren't perfect people. They were people like us that had difficulties and struggles. In fact, well, we'll talk about what Moses said about his problems. The thing I'd like for you to know today is God spoke and God says, don't be afraid. And that's what I'm going to talk about in general, all of the, the service. Uh, I just realized that when I got to the end of the sermon last uh, session, I forgot to read the one thing. So let me tell you where we're headed. Here's where we're headed. The one thing at the bottom of your notes. Believe God touches us when we first encounter what He has said through each step of life. His word touches family life, work ethics, business practices, personal ministry to others, and that I call witness. Every one of us has a witness. Is it a good one? I'm not here to evaluate that. You have to do that. But we have a witness opportunity, every one of us, 
in what we do day by day by day. And so as you look at what we are, who we are, guess what? People are watching who you are and what you are. We have people everywhere wondering, what's about those crazy Christians? I'm sure they said that about what are those crazy Israelites. You know what they're up to doing today? And they talked about it. Well, here we are. In my first part uh, of the sermon, I've got, I've got five full points. So can you hold on to five full points? Let's take the first one. The first one was, God spoke, do not be afraid. Now, that ought to be a logical thing that we'd understand. If God spoke, He said do it, it's okay. But it scares people when God says, I want you to do this, and here's your job, here's your job description. Read with me Exodus 14, verses 10 through 13. As Pharaoh drew near, the sons of Israel looked, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them. And they became frightened, so the sons of Israel cried out to the Lord. Now listen to what they cried out. Now, who, who are these Israelites? Oh, oh, they're the ones that were begging God to get them out of slavery. They were the ones who believed that God was going to deliver them, and they had these plagues come in. You remember those? How many were there? Uh, they came at them from all force. And guess what? They were still in slavery. But this takes them, they're marching out of town again. They're going to get away. Then they said to Moses, It's because there were no, is it because there were no graves in Egypt you're taking us to die in the wilderness? They figured they were dying. Why have you dealt with us this way, bringing us out of Egypt? Because you asked for it. Pardon my smirk there, but is not this the, the word that we spoke to you in Egypt, saying, leave us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. But Moses said to the people, now listen to what Moses said, do not fear. Stand by and see the salvation of the Lord, which He will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians who you have seen today will never see them again forever. He didn't say you'll never see them again. The Hebrew language has, has an interesting thing. It can put words in there and add another word, and it's, it's like power on power. You will never see them again Forever. Again forever. That's a big word. When I was in seminary, I'd been out of college for two years, and I'm in seminary taking classes, and I started my Hebrew classes. Oh, my soul. That stuff went from right to left, not left to right, right to left, and there was not a single character that looked anything like Greek. It was Hebrew. And I studied that, and I struggled with it. I we had tests every morning as you went in. It was a pop test. You knew they were coming, but they were there every day, except the days we had a major test. You didn't get a pop test first. That was the only good thing. I got to see the first class. I was studying for God. My second class, I got a D. 
my third class, I knew what came, came next. It wasn't an E. So I dropped out. I went and just said I wouldn't take, I would take my seminary without the languages. You can do that. And I still take all the history classes, everything in English. And the professor, oh, Dr. Thomas DeLauter, he would see me in the hall and he'd chuckle. He'd walk down the hall. <laughs> there goes Brother Phillips. <laughs> he can't read God's Word. He has to read it in the, uh, the oh, he's going to wish for the garlic and the, the, the leeks of, of Egypt. He's going to wish. Oh, he just razzed me. He would go by, and he did that just chuckling. I took Greek the next year. Did a good job all the way through it. My last year, I went back and I signed up for Hebrew. Dr. DeLauder saw me sitting back there. Ah, oh, Brother Phillips, would you please stand up? Oh, gosh. <laughs> Brother Phillips has been with us before. I said, oh, he's going to tell my grades. He said, and he, he had to stop, but he's taking it in. What are you going to do, Brother Phillips? I said, Dr. DeLauder, you know I love you and I respect you. May I speak to the students? Oh, yes, go ahead. I said, study daily. Study everything, the declensions, your, every, every aspect of your the, the background and all of that. Learn it all because every morning he will give you a pop test. Amen, he said. And I said, but for you, Dr. DeLauder, I know I didn't do well, and I'm back to take it again. But Dr. DeLauder, understand this carefully, my exact words. Come hail or high water, you are stuck with me. I made a B my last time out of there. Thank God I got out. Oh. <laughs> when I pastored in Kennewick, Washington, we had our January Bible study. I had Dr. Thomas DeLauder come and teach our Bible study. Oh, what a blessing it was to see that man of God because he loved his students and he cared what we did with the Word of God. God cared what Moses did. And you know what? God cares what you do without Hebrew because you've got English. And it's a lot easier to read, trust me, than Hebrew. You don't have to read from right to left. It might help sometimes, I don't know. Here's what we learn in this first section, and this is a fact. This is the God of creation speaking to Moses and to the people. He's the one who has created all of this. He knows what their needs are. He knows what their fears are, and he knows he's in charge, but he wants them to learn it. By his own word, he'd already created the world. And all that were in it. But God is speaking, and the people are hearing. And God spoke through Moses. He said, those that you fear, oh, but we have a big fear. He said, those you fear, you will never see them again forever. Now, I forgot to tell this in the first class. Did you know that in the last 10 years, They've done a lot of excavation or underwater surveying because of antiquities. They don't get to take it out. But they have found some uh, instruments down in the bottom of the Red Sea. What do you think they found? Some wheels, 
chariots, bones. How in the world did they get there? And somebody reminds him, oh, right. can't be. He was. I'm, I'm just waiting for that, some of that to come out. You know, watch the news. Every once in a while you'll find something in the news about something they've discovered in, the, in Israel or in Egypt. And it have an impact on what we've already read about in the Word of God. Well, the second thing was, uh, the Lord will fight for you. This is what they learned, that the Lord would fight for you. Now, let me take the next little section. It's four verses, five verses really. Verses 14 through 18. Still Exodus 14. The Lord will fight for you while you keep silent. You know, it does help for some people to keep their mouth shut. He said, you know, all this fear thing, just be silent. God will take care of you. Then the Lord said to Moses, now Moses is listening. The Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the sons of Israel to go forward. Don't you know I've got the plan? I told you you're going to go across there on dry land. Go with it. As for you, lift your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it, and the sons of Israel shall go through the midst of the sea on dry land. But as for me, behold, I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians, those that will go in after them, and they will be honored through Pharaoh and all his army through his chariots and horsemen. Then the, excuse me. <coughs> then the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord, and I am honored through Pharaoh, through his chariots and his horsemen. I'm getting old. Pardon me. Let me hold up here. Oh, oh, that's my staff. It didn't come from Egypt. It came from Louisiana. My brother bought it, bought it for me. My brother cut it for me. It used to be bigger than this. It wasn't shrinkage. I cut a piece of it off to use to smoke hickory. It's a hickory stick. I, I smoked some meat with it. I went looking around for it the other day. I said, oh, I didn't do that. Did I? Yes, you did, Bill. The staff that he had might have been something like this. It wasn't a polished stick, the kind that usually we see on TV. It wasn't necessarily a staff that came up and had the crook on it to grab the sheep. But there wasn't a single one of those Hebrews walking across that line that had a six-shooter. They had a staff. They, their guns hadn't been invented, and bows and arrows weren't used a whole lot then. They were farmers. They'd been bricklayers. And they're headed across, and most of them had a staff. They could stomp on something that got in their way. They could use a pry bar if something needed to be moved. So they had a staff, and Moses had one. And so the Lord says, lift up your staff. Lift it up. I was told when I did this earlier, I almost hit the thing, so I grab it if I do okay? Lift up your staff. Now, there's a lot we don't understand about all this, putting it all together, but it appears that they had this pillar of fire and this pillar of, of a cloud, 
And it had a bigger place than most of us even guessed when God says, I'm going to take you across that land. We'll see it again. Not in my sermons, but you'll see it again if you read the passages following. It's an amazing thing. But when the Lord says, I will fight for you, you know what most of us do? I can handle it from here. We try to do God's work for Him. Never mind, God, I know what to do. Oh, really? The people of Israel that were shouting back at Moses said, You should have left us at home. You know, I imagine he would have wanted to about that time. But there was no way for him to say, Go back, because there were people behind them chasing him. Now, why did they spout off that way? We don't know. But I do know this. That's the way most of us would have done it. We turn around and we become afraid. We, we, we fear. We don't think about what God's really doing. And, and we get scared when we don't know what's next. God never promised he'd tell you all the future. He just told you who was in charge. You remember that song? It's an old spiritual says I don't know about tomorrow but I know who holds my hand Mahalia Jackson was on Johnny Carson some of you don't know who that was but he had a the tonight show way back when and she sang to him I got to see it that night don't know why I was up that late but I did and she sang his eye is on the sparrow and I know he watches you and she said, I sing because I'm happy. I sing because I'm free. And his eyes on the fire. And I know he's watching you. Johnny said, you mean <laughs> he's watching me? She said, yes, Johnny. Guess what? She was right. God knows us. He watches us because he loves us. You're his creation. Yep, I guess you're the best he's ever done. That's right. Because he gave us the capacity to respond to him. To love Him. To communicate with Him. Now, I know animals can communicate with you in some ways, but I sure wish the deer around my house could say thank you. <laughs> I feed them. And I, they know I'm not going to shoot them. I, I, I've done big game hunting. Oh, plenty. I've, we've eaten it. My wife thought there was <laughs> she thought a little beef had died because we, we ate wild game. But since I moved out there, I, I, I've gotten to know and watch the deer. And it's just priceless to watch what they do. Early this morning, before most of you were up, I went out to put some feed out. Who walked up but Grace and her two kids? And what are the girls' names, Joan? Naomi and, Naomi and Ruth. My wife has named the kids. I just knew Grace. Grace is a beautiful doe. I walked up to the door and opened the door. I said, Grace, it's me. You know what she did? No, she, she looked at me, looked down there. I said, I know there's no food out there. Just a minute, I'll be there. She backed away. She went around the corner, around a bush. Now, her rump and, is over here, and she put you around the, she watched over here. She didn't think I could see that rump around the other side of the bush. But I watched her, and I fed her and the, and the fawns. 
And I stepped away, and as I turned my back to go to the deck, there's a, 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 a window there. I watched her in the, the, the reflection of the window. She came up behind me to eat. But that, that deer can't talk to me. That deer cannot communicate to me. Don't you get any ideas coming out there, boy. I, I told you about the turkey. You didn't come, but, but not the deer. Turkeys stink. But the deer, I love them. You know what? God didn't make eat deer to talk to me. He made people. He trusted you enough for you to be the communicators of getting the good news to the world. You know, if he'd have done it like some people think he did it, he would have just gotten preachers to get the word out. That's not his plan. It has never been his plan to get just one person out. He wants all of us to have part in the joy. My brother is retired from the power company, and he is having more fun ministering to kids and talking with them and showing love. My sister plays the piano and teaches children in their church. I've watched my family do that. You know where we learned that? From my father and my mother. Because my family was a ministering family. I didn't know that. I thought we just had a lot of people around. But I learned that my family was showing concern and care. Well, then I saw this cute girl up there in Washington. And I married her. And I found out her mother and dad did the same thing. They were always ministering to people and helping out and doing things. Do you know what? They had learned what Moses is trying to teach them, what God is trying to get through to them. He said, our fear, when difficult times come, shows the depth of our faith and our fellowship, not fellowship, our fellowship of God. Are you following what he's doing? He wants to show us his power, his ability. He waits for our availability, though. God is not impressed necessarily with your ability. He wants your availability. He wants you to be available. And he'll demonstrate his power in and through us. And you know something else? He can do it without us. Through the years, God has used various groups. And when they became unfaithful to him, he took his blessings off and moved somewhere else. We've seen that through the years. Anybody know any Moldavianists? Moldavians? I probably don't even pronounce it. We don't use that name anymore. But they were an important group back in the middle uh, 1600s. We've forgotten them, haven't we? Yes, because they didn't complete the job. God wants us to share the news. So yes, our Lord will fight for you. Then there was action. Action. Let's get moving. Let's get moving. You're going to be still or you're going to move on? God says, get the staff up, move it, move the people, tell them to go forward. And they're saying, well, we don't want to go. We'd rather be dead back in Egypt than dead out here. They didn't know what dead was. But here's the thing. God asked Moses a question. 
Moses is standing with him. He says, Moses, what is that in your hand? What is that in the hand? He said, what? You know it's a staff, God. He said, what do you have in your hand? And he wanted to teach Moses a lesson. He said, is it staff? Is it just a staff? Chapter 4, that goes back 10 chapters. God had told Moses this about the staff. Moses answered and said, what if? Oh, don't you like what ifs? My accounting professor said that was a whatifer. What if this or what if that? What his whatifer was, what if they will not believe me or listen to me? For they may say, the Lord has not appeared to you. And there have been a lot of people, I guess, could say the Lord has not impressed you or been to you. But this is what God said. What is in your hand? He said, a staff. Then he said, throw it to the ground. My staff. Somebody grab it. All right, throw it down. You ever notice that Moses was sometimes reluctant? Just like you. We were reluctant sometimes to trust God, but he threw it down, and whammo, it became a snake. Now, I confess, I confess, I'm like the uh, Indiana Jones. I hate snakes. I do not like snakes. I hate snakes with a passion. I grew up in Louisiana. I know whereof I speak. I didn't see rattlers, but moccasins, I hated them. I was nine years old, and I went outside to where my dad was working, and I stood there on the bank looking out across the, the little bayou right there, and something went across my foot, and I looked down, there was a moccasin that big around. I mean, he covered my feet, and he crawled. Thank you, his head was somewhere. His tail was somewhere, but I saw the middle of him go across there. It took a long time for him to get across there. I don't know if my heart stopped, but my throat, I think my heart was up in here. When I got through, I ran, and I was trying to tell people what was happening. Eight or ten people came out with it and went looking for that snake, because that was a big one. They wanted to get rid of him in the town. And God says, grab that moccasin by his tail. You've got to be kidding. <laughs> he said, grab him. And now this is faith. Moses knew that most snakes in that day and time could kill them. The asps that they had in Egypt were deadly. Grab him, not by the mouth, grab him by the tail. I guess this is the tail. But he grabbed it by the tail, and it became a staff again. Listen to what he went on to say. He threw it to the ground, it became a stake, and Moses fled from it. See there? But the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand, grasp it by its tail. So he stretched out his hand, caught it, and it became a staff in his hand. This is what God said, that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has appeared to you. He said, don't let them get away with that. They'll see this again. I'm with you, Moses. Well, what's in your hand, Moses? Is it only a rod? Uh-oh, I said Moses. I really shouldn't have said Moses. What if I spoke to you and said, what is in your hand? 
What do you have in your hand? Bill, it's a wrench. I've seen you with a wrench before. I've seen you with a drumstick. What do you have in your hand? I've seen you with a spoon. I've seen you in various places doing certain things. What's in your hand? That's what God's really asking. What do you have in your hand that I can use? Now, did God use that, that thing out there to wham the water back and forth? No. It was a what? Symbol? God says, I want you to see that I'm in charge. I can do this. Wow. Then Moses said to the Lord, let me make sure I don't get out of my, get out of my place and go too far there. Oh, this is it. Moses said to the Lord, Please, Lord, I've never been eloquent. Never recently, nor in the past, nor since thou spoken to thy servant, for I'm slow of speech and slow of tongue. Most Hebrew scholars tell me that that means he was slow in getting the words out. Was he? Did he have an impediment? Yes. Have you ever felt like you had one? Yes. And especially if you get up in front of people. Yes. I'm just glad that Brian has enough lights up here. I can't see most of you. And if you think you think preachers don't get nervous, wrong. I had a terrible night last night. I've been preaching for 56 years, but I had a terrible night last night because I was standing before my church and standing before people that would listen to the Word of God. We all get nervous. Moses threw out his fear, and that's what he said. And the Lord said, Who has made man's mouth? Didn't give him time to answer, but he knew the answer. Who makes him dumb or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now think about that for a second. God says, I can make you be what you need to be. And then he gave the message, now then go. And even I, this is God speaking, even I will be your mouth. And teach you what you're to say. Is that good? Not enough. You remember your English classes? You had a thing called a conjunction, like an. There was one called a contrasting conjunction. B-U-T. That's what Moses said. But, he said, please, Lord, now send the message by whomever thou wilt. That was, send Aaron. Please, I mean, you will, won't you? And you know what? He did use Aaron. But I want you to know God wanted to use Moses. Who got some of the blessings? Aaron. Aaron did. Who missed some of those blessings? Moses. I wonder one time, sometimes, how much many blessings I've missed. Let me tell you the blessing that I missed. One of the blessings I missed was when the man who rich, eventually became my next-door neighbor 
was in the hospital dying, they all thought. My friend Ralph said, somebody needs to go talk to, to Richard. And I got scared. And we sent Jim. Jim Gantenbein. Jim's a member over at uh, Riviera Baptist. Jim's a retired Baptist preacher. Jim went over to see him. Richard's a Marine. Dying. You got to understand, Jim was a brown water Navy. Coast Guard. And he said, Richard, you ready to meet God? Because if you don't, you can bust hell wide open. He said, you can't talk to me. That says, the heck I can't. You're there flat and you can't get up. You better listen to me because I came to see you because your friends love you and they care about you. And I want to tell you about Jesus. What do you mean? I'm, I've gone to church all my life. He said, I'm not talking about going to church. He says, I'm getting in a relationship with Jesus Christ. What do you mean? And gently and lovingly, he led Richard Ewing, my former next-door neighbor, lives in Wyoming now, but he led Richard to trust Jesus. I miss the blessing. Cost me a lot. I had to buy a house next door to him, move out there and live by him. Richard's going to church in the Cowboy Church in Cody, Wyoming now. He's attended here several times when he still lived here. But you know, sometimes you miss blessings. Did Moses miss blessings? I don't know. I'm not in charge of that. I am in charge of the blessings I miss. And you are too. So let's move on. So seeing all of this, we ask a question. What about my fear? Those people had great fear that they weren't going to make it. They believed they could die. And you know what? They could have. But it was not God's initiative. It was not God's plan. It was not what he promised. He said, today, today, those whom you fear, you will see no more forever. What he said. You know, at times it seems that we have a need to see the physical, the visible, in order to believe. And I don't think that's necessary all the time, but that's where it is with me sometimes. I want to see the reality. I'm not talking about these reality shows, folks. I'm talking about the real thing when, when, the, when it's down and out and you're trying to see what God's doing. There are times the Lord will strengthen our faith by showing His power visibly. But I want to tell you something. God does not have to show His power to be powerful. God does not have to show His power in order to prove anything to you or to me. He is who He is. He loves you beyond your wildest imagination. He cares about you. Every little thing that goes on with you, He cares. And all your problems, they're temporary. Every one of them, they're temporary. He said, i got blessings for you. In my mansion, I've got a place I'm building for you. It's going to be so great. How great? Will it be as? No, 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 no. It would be greater than that. 
And you try to figure, oh, no, it's greater than that. He said, I've got a blessing for you. So their problem was they feared. This is what it says. Verses 19 and 20. The angel of God, who had been going before the camp of Israel, moved in and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud moved from before them and stood around behind them. I've just often wondered about some of those old rabbis sitting in there saying, what did he do? I didn't know the thing would be behind us. What's that mean? Little boys are sitting there saying, did you see that? I think it went, zip. <laughs> you know, sometimes some people can recognize what God is doing quicker than others. But it was amazing as they saw that go behind them. And so it came between the camp of Israel, uh, Egypt, and the camp of Israel. So it's between them. And there was a cloud along with the darkness, yet it gave light at night. Thus the one did not come near the other all night. In other words, Israel, Egypt didn't get close to each other all night. They, they were apart. Meanwhile, back at the ranch, what's happening? What's going on? Can you imagine the fear? And yet some people probably went to sleep. I bet you a lot of them didn't. They could not believe what was going on. But that cloud, that cloud kept Egypt behind them. And the cloud did something else. It became a light at night for the, Israel, for the uh, Israelites. Now, these are the results. It really means God sustained them. Here it is. Verses 14, chapter 14, verse 21 through 31. You can handle, you can handle uh, 11 verses, can't you? This is exciting. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. Can you imagine? See this. Put out his hand over the sea. And the Lord swept the sea back by the strong east wind, and it turned the sea into dry lands so that the waters were divided. And the sons of Israel went through the midst of the sea on dry land, and the waters were like a wall to them on the right hand and on the left. Then the Egyptians took up pursuit, and Pharaoh's horses and his chariots and his horsemen were in after them into the midst of the sea. Now, when was this happening? Listen carefully. And it came about at the morning watch. This had to be at night. It came about at the morning watch, the Lord looked down on the army of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and cloud and brought the army of the Egyptians into confusion. He caused their chariots' wheels to swerve, and he made them drive with difficulty. So the Egyptians said, let us flee from Israel, for the Lord is fighting for them against the Egyptians. The Lord said to Moses, is that there? He said, now, now, now stretch out your hand over the sea so that the waters may come back over the Egyptians and over the chariots and over their horsemen. So Moses stretched his hand over the sea and the sea returned to its normal state at daybreak and the, while the Egyptians were fleeing right into it, then the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. 
and the waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen. I don't know if you ever see a have you ever seen a real flooding thing going on? The waters are all churning, and them all of a sudden becoming crystal clear and steady. It's the weirdest thing. You see the wind blowing and the waves, and it stops. Not easily do we see that happen because the wind takes slow to get slowed down, but it did. Moses stretched his hand over the sea. The sea returned to the normal state at daybreak, and the Egyptians were fleeing right into it. So the Lord withdrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. He overthrew them there. And the waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen, even Pharaoh's entire army that had gone into the sea after them. Not even one of them remained. But the sons of Israel walked on dry land through the midst of the sea. And the waters were like a wall to them on the right hand and on their left. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. But now listen to this. When Israel saw the great power which the Lord had used against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord. They believed in the Lord and His servant Moses. Is believing God important? Why don't we all the time? We become frightened. I think part of the reason is we haven't spent enough time in the Word. In other words, reading. When the Bible refers to a time of belief, you see a real opportunity for God to act. There's specific places all through the Bible as you look at it. You know what I know about this? We have a God who doesn't need a staff. Doesn't need a rod. But he does want to show people. He wants to show us his love. He wants to show us that he can act. That he can make things happen. He wants to show us, without any doubt, that He loves us. He loves you, He loves me, and He wants to move forward with us. And all the obstinate things that come our way, He's stronger than they are. What if our whole economy collapsed? God says, I built the goal, I think I can handle it. No, we know he can. Will there be difficulties? Yes. But he's in charge. I hope that you will take this as an opportunity to think, God can use every one of you and me to share good news with somebody else. There are people that are watching you. They're watching you to see if you really love Jesus. They want to know that you mean business. There are many like Richard that somebody had to go tell. And there were reluctant people like me who was afraid. But I know this. The Lord will use you if you're His. So here's the prayer. If you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior, you can do that this morning right here, right sitting right where you are. You can ask Him to forgive you and come into your heart. And He'll do that. 
That's his business. He's been doing it for years. Hadn't forgotten how. He'll come in and he'll warm your heart and wipe out that sin and take over. Now, you've got to follow him, but you won't lose the relationship once you're his. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this story about Moses and the people that struggled. But Father, right now, more than anything, we want to be yours, have a relationship with you, and serve you. Father, if there's one here that wants to know you, all that one has to do is pray and say, Lord, forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart. Become my Savior. And help me to know for sure you have. And if you've prayed that, he did. And for all of us here this morning that do know you, Father, we want to serve you efficiently, effectively, and with joy. I ask you to guide us, bless us, and work through us in Jesus' holy name. And the people of God said together, Amen. Amen.